president's message. We didn't just survive 2020, we thrived. By Dr. Eugene Viscusi, as a president. We survived 2020. I've said it before, but I want to again give a pat on the back to my colleagues who have contributed so much during the COVID crisis, not only in the treatment of patients, but also for working so hard for ASRA during these stressful times. I have heard two interesting and contrasting comments about 2020. On one camp, I've heard, 2020 seemed to last forever. Others have said, I can't believe how quickly the year passed. In fact, both are correct. Time seemed to stand still when we were evaluating the fate of our spring and fall meetings, trying to remain nimble and craft a meeting that best served our members. Externally, one might think that pivoting to a virtual meeting was less work than a live meeting. The reality is that our outstanding ASRA staff, our meeting chairs, and many others involved in the meeting were literally building the airplane while flying it, often rebuilding the meeting multiple times. It truly was a Herculean task. By any measure, the ASRA Fall 2020 Worldwide Meeting was a great success. I marveled not only at the breadth of content, but the incredibly personal feel that this virtual meeting created, down to the Saturday evening dance party. I would be remiss if I didn't also recognize the speakers who were incredibly flexible and timely with such short notice. It is a testament to how dedicated our ASRA family is. For me, the time has flown. I can't believe that this is my next-to-last President's message. I won't dwell on COVID. Rather, I celebrate what we have accomplished this year. While many societies saw decreased engagement and membership, ours has remained strong, demonstrating the value we continue to bring to our members. I am incredibly proud that our journal, Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine, exceeded an impact factor of 7, essentially tying it in first place among anesthesiology journals in this space. ASRA News has continued to expand the very popular How I Do It compilations, as well as incorporating global authors. A special additional issue on COVID was incredibly popular. We produced the two COVID guidelines, one for regional anesthesia and one for chronic pain. These resources literally went viral, with approximately 70,000 website views. For the first time in ASRA history, we partnered with our sister society, the European Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Therapy, to produce the International E-Congress. This was a global event with more than 3,500 participants and 19 hours of content. This signifies a global partnership and an understanding that we are all in this together. I have great hope that our two societies will form even closer bonds and work to produce joint guidelines and projects. We truly are stronger together. By any measure, our fall virtual meeting broke records. We had more than 1,400 participants and an amazing 46 hours of content covering acute and chronic pain and regional anesthesia. Twitter impressions exceeded 9 million. 
During 2020, we also conducted 12 webinars with both CME and non-CME content, reaching more than 3,500 people. We launched the well-received ASRA Mentor Match program, bringing personal guidance to our members. We have continued to support research in spite of financial challenges. ASRA has deepened its commitment to trainees, both through our collaboration with the Association of Pain Program Directors and with Acute and Regional Anesthesia Fellows. ASRA is providing administrative support for a trainee-oriented monthly webinar series alternating between regional and acute topics and chronic pain topics for fellows and interested individuals. ASRA's visibility through social media and other outlets dramatically expanded in 2020. ASRA's Twitter exceeded 15,000 followers, our LinkedIn page has exceeded 1,000, and our YouTube channel subscribers increased 60% to more than 500 subscribers. Our website page views exceeded 1,211,000 countries, demonstrating our global reach. We continue to see expanding citations from scholarly journals and lay media sources such as U.S. News and World Report. We have continued to advocate for you and your patients, including working closely with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, the Food and Drug Administration, the Joint Commission, and the Department of Health and Human Services to provide expert opinion and feedback on critical issues affecting patient care and payment. We continue to produce guidelines and practice advisories to influence better patient care. I am particularly proud of our initiative to recognize the role and contributions of women in ASRA. We designated 2020 the Year of Women in ASRA to recognize the achievements of women in the society and the specialties of acute and chronic pain and regional anesthesia. Eight women were identified by their peers for their exemplary careers and contributions to our field, receiving Trailblazers Awards. Meanwhile, we quietly have moved to diversity in our meeting faculty, virtually eliminating manals, man-only panels. Throughout 2020, several dedicated working groups have been diligently preparing guidelines that will be published in 2021. While we wait with excitement for the final publication of these products, I can give a preview of one particularly high-impact project. ASRA has partnered with multiple major societies to produce guidelines for the management of opioid use disorder, specifically with the role of anesthesiologists and pain physicians in actively initiating treatment with buprenorphine. This project was inspired by our Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams at our Spring 2019 meeting. I have no doubt that working together, we can save and impact many lives touched by opioid addiction. Note that I have refrained from naming individuals in all the above accomplishments. I am sure you can identify them. The list would have made this article far too long, and I would have inevitably missed someone. I would ask you to remember who made these contributions and offer a word of thanks by call, email, Twitter, or other social media, and ultimately when we can meet in person. Without the contributions of our dedicated volunteers, I would not be presenting such a list of achievements.
In closing, I feel so blessed to work with all of you. As a team, we have worked together with dedication and ingenuity to make Azra stronger, more productive, and more meaningful than ever. You also have given incredible meaning to my virtual presidency. It was not the presidency I anticipated. Perhaps most painful was the inability to see you in person and share our personal experiences and, most of all, hugs. I am confident that we will make up for lost time very soon as we return to normal. I hope to see many of you in person at our 46th Annual Regional Anesthesiology and Acute Pain Medicine Meeting in May at Disney World. Azra and the world may be forever changed, but the Azra family remains strong and will always be my second family. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode of Azra News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review. From the Editor's Desk, Perspective, by Dr. Christopher M. Schroeder, Azra News Editor. I have had some incredibly memorable shoes throughout my life. In middle school, my parents provided for me a pair of Red Wing hiking boots. At the time, these boots represented an incredible expenditure for my parents, but they allowed me to experience fantastic and foundational adventures such as hiking throughout the Badlands, Black Hills, and Isle Royal. In my senior year of high school, our basketball team was outfitted in matching North Carolina blue Nike Air Max shoes. In these shoes, our group of 12 felt like we could take on the world. At the time, I was fairly convinced that there would be multiple NBA teams clamoring to draft an unathletic six-foot forward with questionable shot range. The shoes that I am most connected to now are my Brooks Transcend running shoes. These size 13 Land Cruisers don't go anywhere incredibly fast, but they glide over the miles and the years have been marked by a number of great runs with friends and family. The thing about all of the shoes that I have worn out into the world is that each of them has brought me somewhere positive. Nature, hard court glory, country roads, and marathon courses. While wearing these shoes, I have been unburdened by constant and consuming pain or the need to consume opioids or other substances of abuse. I grew up in a house with fantastic parents, thank you Lucy and Bill, where we did not have all of the money in the world, but where we were unquestionably loved and supported. While not universally true, members of our profession frequently benefit from these same generational blessings that largely grant us immunity from poverty, household settings where drug use is normalized, or suffering in situations where we might need to overcome painful conditions without an adequate social support structure or available health care resources. While mental health disorders are ubiquitous, our patients may not always enjoy access to treatment pathways designed to improve their ability to achieve a highly functional status or cope with unforeseen stressors. Our collective lack of familiarity with the tribulations and suffering of our patients is occasionally difficult to remedy, 
and may impair our ability to connect with these patients and develop an effective encompassing analgesic treatment plan. While the central tenet of our career as pain management physicians is the alleviation of patient suffering, it would be incredibly disingenuous to not acknowledge the challenges associated with the treatment of some of our patients suffering with chronic pain and opioid requirements or abuse disorders. While many of these patients are incredibly gracious for our commitment to their plight, there are certainly some that can be difficult, manipulative, deceitful, abusive, dismissive, or disengaged. There are times when treating these chronic painers can seem incredibly unrewarding and call into question the utility of attempting to treat their pain or tailor an analgesic regimen. In those challenging clinical moments where it seems that there is no appreciation for your efforts emanating from the patient or their family, I would encourage you to take a moment to consider where they may be coming from and assist your colleagues in attempting to do the same. Is the patient's perspective on the healthcare system clouded by an adversarial experience in the emergency department where legitimate pain was labeled as opioid-seeking behavior? Does the patient have persistent pain resulting from an unwarranted procedure or unanticipated adverse surgical outcome? Does the patient with difficult-to-control inpatient pain have a home situation that is potentially unsafe, or are they solely responsible for providing care for others? Is the patient on elevated opioid doses simply because it was easier for a previous healthcare provider to continue to escalate the opioid dose than work to determine and diagnose an etiology for the pain or consider non-opioid analgesic alternatives. Ultimately, our healthcare system is likely the cobbler for many of the opioid-related issues currently afflicting our healthcare system and our patients. It is therefore incumbent upon us to consider these patients and their situations carefully and continue to work toward addressing their unique circumstances and analgesic needs. In this edition of the ASRA News, we intensely focus on how the opioid epidemic has impacted our patients and the role that pain physicians must now assume in addressing this catastrophe. Following a review of these articles, it is my hope that you emerge equipped to view patients experiencing chronic pain with increased empathy while considering their shoes and the journey that has led them to you. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode of Azure News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review.